Welcome to the Equipping Podcast. My name's Kay Kay Millie. Yep. Or Karen Milliken, if you haven't listened to this before and you're confused by that. I'm here with my co-host, Nathan Wagner. Yep, I'm here. Hey, Nathan, what's happening tomorrow? Well, we're recording this, so whenever this gets released, hopefully it will have already happened. Yeah. But uh, time now, we're supposed to be having a baby tomorrow. Wow, baby number four. Yeah, baby joy. Yeah, baby joy. We're excited. So, so mm. you won't hear a podcast for a while. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing these things weekly, and now it's been like monthly. And I'm now and it'll it's be like, next you know, no, we'll, we're we're gonna we're gonna crank it back up. We've got some really great content actually. We do stored up. It just needs to get released. And so today is more great content. It totally is. And we're back with. Dr. Steve Porter from Biola University. Epic. And we talked about spiritual disciplines last time, and now we're going to talk about prayer. It's going to yeah, be legit. These like, these, like, short, sentence-long prayers that you pray throughout the day. Kind of the whole idea of, like, praying without ceasing. So I love this conversation, and I'm happy to share it with our audience. Sweet. Enjoy. We're back this week with Dr. Steve Porter from Biola University down in Southern California. In the last episode, we talked about what are the spiritual disciplines? How should we think about them? What are they? What are they not? But then I know for you, man, you've been thinking about one particular you know, discipline in the spiritual life around prayer. And not just prayer, but this idea of praying without ceasing. I know for a lot of people, I was one of them and still am not totally sure exactly what that means. But that can be confusing because we're like, dude, you don't want me to ever stop praying? Like... That's exhausting. What in the world? And so uh, why don't you open this one up by just talking about how you started thinking about this and some of the disconnect that you felt there and wrestling with what this is. So let me just mention just to start, the main passage is 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 15 through 18, where Paul says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. But then in Ephesians 6 verse 18, Paul says, pray in the spirit at all times with every kind of prayer and petition. So pray in the spirit at all times. Uh, Romans 12, 12, he says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, be constant. And then Jesus, you know, he adds his own kind of bit to this. Luke 18, one says, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And it's the prayer of the, the persistent woman that comes to the judge. Another, I think, interesting one with Jesus is in Matthew 26, right outside the Garden of Gethsemane, where he says to Peter, James, and John, keep watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And there, keep watch and pray, it looks more like a prayer vigil, like stay awake, it was late, and stay in this place of prayer. So we see all these kind of recommendations to pray continually, pray without ceasing, pray in the Spirit at all times. And I think for the longest time, I immediately thought of that as what is called petitionary prayer. So, oh, we're supposed to always be asking God for stuff, you know, be with that person, help them to get better, be with my job, <laughs> be with my kids, be with this, be with that, you know, change this, do this. And, and I thought how, I mean, one, I thought how in the world can I be constantly just asking God for things? And then two, doesn't that kind of just turn God into some sort of, the magic genie in the sky or whatever who's who's supposed to kind of yeah, some vending machine that's dispensing stuff yeah right and i just thought is that what we're supposed to do so i just didn't know what to make with this idea of of pray without ceasing until 
I started recognizing, well, actually someone else, a friend of mine actually gave a little talk on the short prayers of the Bible. And he just went through all these short prayers. For instance, I, I mean, my favorite short prayer of the Bible is the prayer of the Canaanite woman in the book of Matthew, where she just says, Lord, help me. It's a good prayer. It's a good prayer. And I, I, there was probably about a year or two in my life where I think just about the only prayer I prayed was, Lord, help me. And I often would pray it kind of palms up, like, Lord, help me. It was a time of desperation, of confusion. I just didn't know what else to say except help me, help me. And yet I probably prayed more using that prayer than I had in all the other long prayers I prayed. Mm. There was something about that posture of Lord help me that kept me prayerful. And when I think about prayer at bottom, prayer is really a posture of dependence and receptivity and and ultimately submission. And I know that word can be loaded, but this posture of Lord, I need you. Lord, help me. Lord, I receive your love. Lord, help me to be with you in this moment. And again, there's other short prayers that are like that, like um, Jesus's last prayer on the cross before he breathed his last, the gospels say, was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And that's a nice short prayer (laughs) to go through your day and just say, you know, into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. My spirit is, is just the core of who I am. It's my, it's my will. It's our will. So into your hands, I commit myself. I commit my day. I commit my will to you. And so using these short prayers has really, for me, kind of revolutionized my prayer life where I find that I, I'm able to pray these short prayers at various times throughout my day And it begins to move me into this posture of dependence or receptivity on God. That's the practice of praying without ceasing. Again, as as I'm understanding it both biblically and also just in my own life. So good. And it's, sorry, I'm processing as you're talking. It's really affected me. (laughs) I'm just like (laughs) thinking through even my own prayers lately. It is a lot easier to ask God for things than to commit your spirit into his hands, right? Like there is um, an ease to, hey, God, give me this job or make this thing go through or I ask you for this to happen versus surrender. Surrender is hard. And I've even felt that in my prayers over the last week of there's a tension of can I actually release this control that I think that I have into your hands trusting that your way is better. And a lot of times I struggle to pray because I don't want to surrender, because I don't want to release control, because I think that as long as I hold on, it's still within my reach and not in his. And there's just something so wrong with that. And a a continual practice of, of letting go of humility, of humbling yourself to his way, that's a game changer. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting week. Over the past couple of weeks, Kabul has fallen. And the past 10 days for me have been really crazy. In fact, by the time this gets released, this hopefully will have been resolved. But as of right now, at the time we're recording this, my personal interpreter, who's been in multiple firefights with me, is currently trying to get out of Afghanistan. And the Taliban are actively looking for people just like him are 
arresting them, in some cases executing them. And uh, the past week, I mean, I it was a frenzy. I mean, I've talked to people, hundreds of people, trying to get my guy out of Afghanistan. And it's been exhausting. But I found myself, just to use as a practical example, Karen, at one point one day, I was just exasperated. I was angry, I was frustrated, felt helpless, you know. And there was one guy that I'd been talking to who was running private charters in and out of Kabul, And I was pretty confident that we were going to get my guy and his family on one of these planes. And I had reached out to the guy to try to confirm some stuff and trying to get my guy through security into the airport. And everything just kind of collapsed and fell apart. (laughs) And that's Afghanistan. But also, I found myself really in a lot of like, there was a lot of almost despair Mm -hmm. there. Where it was just like, you feel so helpless my initial instinct was like, I got to get a hold of this guy. I got to, I got to, you know, I got to work the problem. And there was a check in my spirit where it was almost like Jesus whispered to me and was like, Hey, Nathan, why don't you talk to me about it? I've got assets on the ground. I can help. It was a reorienting thing because I think instead of me like trying to power my way through the problem, it was more of a, Hey, actually I can't do this. Lord, I have to trust you. I have to release this to you if I'm going to stay psychically sane. Mm. I I have to hand this over to you. And it's in those like it's in those postures of surrender, I think where we become the type of people who are able to receive from God as opposed to I've just got to power through this. Does that make sense? I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Practically speaking, no. I hear the, I hear the words that you're saying. No, I, it does make sense. What it, what's going through my head is, and Steve, you even just spoke to this. Of it took a year of great hardship to get to a point of saying, "Lord, help me." Mm-hmm. And I I think we both walked through harder seasons and are able to speak to those moments of great surrender. Does it have to take something really hard to get there? Are there are ways that we can be actively surrendering when things, quote-unquote, feel easy. My mind goes directly to the Catholic mystics of, like, John of the Cross, those guys who talk about the dark night of the soul. I'm just curious as to, does it have to take something that hard to get to that those moments of surrendering in prayer, that posture of prayer? Walter Brueggemann, in his book on the Psalms, proposed this kind of three-tiered process of orientation, disorientation, and then reorientation. And I think that there is, you know, some sort of necessity in learning that, that cyclical process in the spiritual life to know that, hey, in order for me to be reoriented toward greater understanding of the goodness of God, a greater experience of the love of God, then by necessity, I need to be disoriented because my orientation right now is incomplete or is lacking in some way. It's kind of like a it's kind of like a twelve year old asking you know her parent, "Hey, mommy, can I become an adult without becoming an adolescent?" And it's like, well, no, <laughs> you, you can't. You, you have to go through your teenage years. That's the way I think about it. Steve, what do you think, man? Yeah, we know in the new heavens and the new earth, we're not going to need suffering and pain anymore. There'll be no, you know, there'll be no more weeping, no more tears. 
But it looks like we won't need suffering or times of darkness or disorientation because we will have been perfected in some way or in all the ways that really matter. But in this life, it, it looks like for most of us, when life is going well, we don't feel very dependent. We feel more self-sufficient. And, and, and I know it's, it's hard to even imagine life going well right now just because the world is so, <laughs> totally so jacked up, so dark, dark and it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to imagine anyone can actually say like, yeah, life's really going well for me. But I can think back to, you know, times were better. And, and I find even though I'm very grateful to God in those times and, and even thank him for these good gifts, there's something about life going well that I, I tend to slide back into this place of, hey, I'm okay. I can do this. I can make it. I'm actually a pretty good guy, you know, and this kind of autonomy and self-sufficiency. And it looks like for me again, you know, C.S. Lewis in The Problem of Pain talks about how pain and suffering keeps us in that place of dependence. And he says, but let God but sheathe that sword. And, you know, as soon as God takes the pain away, we just return back. He says at one point, he says, my whole nature leaps back to the toys, like to the things that he was enjoying before things got difficult. And I find that that's completely the case. As soon as the threat is gone, as soon as I'm out, I'm grateful for a while. And then I just find myself back in these same or very similar habits of autonomy, of self-sufficiency, of, of kind of my own power. And so it looks like we almost always need these times to keep us humble and dependent and at that place of, of Lord help me. On the other hand, Karen, I, I think the goal is, is to respond to those times in such a way that maybe we don't need as many of them, right? Because mm -hmm. now it's like, yeah, I have a friend who, he doesn't call it a discipline, but I've, I call it the discipline of staying down. He'll say to me, Steve, stay down. And it, at least the image that comes to my mind is like when my kids were young and they were riding scooters and they'd fall and they'd you know, jump back up again and, and say, it doesn't hurt, I'm fine. And there's a discipline to staying down, to say, no, 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 stay down. Where does it hurt? What happened? Are you okay? How can I help you? Instead of just popping back up again and saying, I'm okay, I, I'm fine, and, and, and they're not fine, right? And so there can be a discipline to kind of staying down, staying in that, that posture of brokenness, of receptivity, of humility. And again, prayer, I think, is ultimately a practice of staying down. When we pray, I mean, the Gethsemane prayer is another short prayer. That's just a perfect, you know, Jesus's Gethsemane prayer. If possible, take this cup from me. All things are possible with you. Let this cup pass from me. And so Jesus there is really kind of lamenting. He's saying, if, if Lord, <laughs> all things are possible with you. If it's possible, please, I, I, don't, I don't want this. Take this cup from me. Don't let this happen. And then the resignation, not my will, but yours be done. And I think that's, the, that's actually the model of petitionary prayer is, is Lord, if I had my way, this cup would pass from me. This wouldn't happen or this would happen. But Lord, I ultimately want what you want, or I want mm -hmm. to become the kind of person who wants what you want. So I pray this prayer, again, another short prayer saying, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I, I, I trust you, help the parts of me that don't fully trust you. And um, so I think that place of let this cup pass from me, but not my will, yours be done. That's another prayer that we can adopt throughout our day. I often, when I am praying petitionary prayers, I'll, I'll often somehow end with that. And I know that can be kind of 
you know, but not our will, but yours be done. Almost like a trite thing to say. But again, if you really kind of feel the weight of that, it's like, really, really, do I really trust that what I just asked God to do that I'm okay with all those things not happening? Do I really say not my will, but yours be done? And again, oftentimes it's, it's Lord, I believe, help my unbelief in that moment. Yeah. We're practicing a way of being with God that begins to sink into our bones. And, and, that's, yeah, and it good. becomes more and more our true nature, our second nature. It becomes this new creation nature to say, yeah, I live my life more and more. You know, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That, that really becomes more and more true. Yeah, absolutely. I think about... A friend of mine, uh, if you're listening to this, shout out Chris Hatley. He was using the metaphor of the United States and Europe and talking about in Europe, they use the metric system, they use the euro, they use like these different things. And he's like, hey, if you go over to Europe for like two weeks, you're constantly going to be translating in your own mind, okay, a dollar is how many euros? And you're doing the, you're constantly doing those conversions in your mind. And he's like, but if you stay there for long enough, your mind literally will shift to that different way of thinking. And then you're not having to do conversions anymore. You're just living in, now I'm living in the Euro. And it's almost like that. I mean, like a same similar deal with languages. You know, when you start to like dream in another language or when you start to think in another language, then your mind is literally like reforming like physically to form new pathways to move down. And as I was listening to you talk, I, I was thinking about, man, all of these prayers are basically the, the summation of the human experience. Help me. I want to believe, but I don't. So help my unbelief. Have mercy on me. Give us today our daily bread. Or like Moses said in Exodus, like, look, if you don't go before me, don't take me up from here. These types of like one sentence kind of prayers, uh, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. Or even even more potently, right? Why have you forsaken me? That's right. These types of things that are the human experience. And I think if we learn to implement these short prayers into our lives, then in a lot of ways what's happening is we're we're now thinking about things in terms of the kingdom of God as opposed to operating in the autonomy of our own flesh. And that's like going from a dollar to a euro. Instead of prayer not being like these conversions we're constantly having to make, oh, now I'm thinking about this completely different. And I think that's the point, right? Yeah, that's well said, Nathan. I think that's exactly right. And and I like those those examples. The example I thought of speaking of Europe, those actually England was we lived in my wife and I lived in England for two years and and we got a car over there. And so I learned to, you know, <laughs> drive on the other side of the road. <laughs> yeah, the right side of the road. But on the yeah. right side of the car, the hardest thing was this car was a, a manual transmission. So it was a stick shift. So I had to, uh, I had to shift shifting. with my left yeah. hand. And I remember at first, you know, shifting with my left hand. I mean, my left hand is, I'm right-handed and I, I, it was really, really hard. But when I came back to the U.S., I got back into a, a left-hand side drive car again and it wasn't even a stick shift, but I was driving down the road and my left arm hit the door because it just it just went to shift the yeah, gears, yeah, but there were yeah. no gears, but but it was in my body. The door flew open, you almost <laughs> fell out. Yeah, yeah, well, that would be the, that's, the, that's the second part of the story. Uh, <laughs> 
But what I love about those kind of metaphors is those new habits got into our bodies. Yeah, and that's, good. we live an embodied Christian life and our bodies yeah. matter. And part yeah. of why our bodies and our brains matter is because we do understand now that, that these habits get ingrained in our brains, in our bodies, and we no longer have to think about it anymore because our bodies just do it. And the same yeah. thing can happen in our spiritual life where we don't have to think about living every moment in dependence on God, our bodies become habituated more and more. Again, I don't think any of us get there fully this side of heaven, but our bodies more and more, and therefore our souls and our spirits more and more are habituated Mm -hmm. to live life before the presence of God in dependence on Him. But the reason why bringing the body into it is so important is because then we realize how challenging this is because my body, my brain, you know, it's, again, it's all over the place. I'm again, like Dory and Finding Nemo. I'm I'm anything (laughs) shiny. I'm like, oh, let me think about this or let me click on this on the internet. You know, everything, I'm just going a million miles an hour. It's very hard for me to come back, but these short prayers can be little ways we come back, little ways we kind of say, not my will, but yours be done. Or Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The prayer of Bartimaeus, you see it other places, eventually becomes known as the Jesus prayer. Or another another wonderful prayer we were talking about, trials. Uh, there's this great prayer towards the end of the book of Job. I think it's Job 34, 32. It's actually the prayer of Elihu, one of Job's last friends. And Elihu comes on the scene, and it's just this little short prayer. Lord, teach me what I do not see. Mm. Teach me what I do not see. And I, I think I think when we're going through difficult times, that prayer of, Lord, teach me what I do not see. What don't I see here? What don't I see about myself? What am I not seeing about this situation? Teach me, Lord, what I do not see. And again, it's it's that posture. I can't stop saying that word of, of receptivity or of dependence, submission to God. Uh, so there, there's these little short prayers can kind of keep us coming back to that until it gets into our bodies, it sinks into mm-hmm. our bones, and it becomes our natural way of, more and more, our natural way of moving through the world. I think that's really, really helpful. I was just sitting here thinking about that gut response of like, but I don't want to, or but I want it my way, or even the not my will, but yours be done. I'm like, no, but I want my will is actually exactly what I want. And so that continual practice, I think, teaches people to wrestle. And honestly, I think we live in a culture where we're not okay wrestling with God. We're not okay questioning him. We're not okay with things not going our way, but then we're not okay approaching him about it. We're very much, I don't know, we just don't let ourselves wrestle with God very much. I was even having a conversation with someone recently, and (laughs) I was saying something to the effect of like, yeah, it's okay to doubt God, but I mean, he's ultimately good. And she was like, do you actually think it's okay to doubt God? Because you're just like automatically correcting any like wrong thought that you have about him. And so I think those those small moments of not my will, but your be, yours be done causes us to sit in the tension of like, do I actually believe that? Am I actually okay with whatever God does with this situation? Yeah. And it makes you, like you said, stay down. It makes you sit there for a minute when we yeah. typically don't. And you see Jesus wrestle with the Father in Gethsemane. Like, seriously, I'm looking for another way. Mm. (laughs) And yet, his ultimate response is one of trust. Into your hands I commit my spirit, not my will but yours be done. And he put his trust ultimately in his Father and was vindicated. 
that heart of Christianity, the, the substance, the essence of it is that communion with God in such a way that our ultimate response to him in the wrestling is into your hands, I commit my spirit. Oh, it takes like, me a long time to get there sometimes. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah, welcome to being human. It's exhausting. <laughs> being human is so exhausting. But I think that that's where a lot of people don't allow themselves to be human. Yeah. It's like, well, what do you expect? I mean, do you expect to have arrived immediately? Yes, no, I like... do, actually. That's exactly <laughs> what I expect. Yeah, and I think in the midst of that posture, you can go, okay, Lord, like, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm. And again, those, those knee-jerk responses that can get formed in you, as Steve said, in your bones, right? that those things can become the automatic response when you feel the tension of, yeah, I don't really want that. Steve, when we were talking about the heart of the Christian life, probably a lot of people who would argue for a handful of different things in that regard. But I know one of the things we were talking about before was just this idea that, you know, I said, hey, God, God is, the, is at the center of the Christian life. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for you to just talk to everybody about your thoughts in that regard and in regard to the thing we're talking about, you know, with this ongoing practice of being in a posture of prayer. Well, there's probably several right answers to what is the center of the Christian life, including God or the Trinity or Jesus or salvation or something. But some have said that prayer is the center of the Christian life. And again, I, for a long time, I really struggled with that. I thought, how, how is prayer? But again, I thought of it as petitionary prayer. I thought of it as asking for things. And I thought that can't be the center. But when you start to think of prayer, as, as we were talking, as Karen, I think you were saying, well, as you wrestle with it, and I, we all wrestle with it, but as prayer is this, this relinquishment of control, of this, um, this deep learning to be with God, come what may, that, oh, that is the center. Because even though God is, is the center of everything, of the Christian life, we only have God to the degree that we receive him. So he's, he's fully available to us in Christ, but if we live our lives against him, if we don't pay attention to him, then, then we're not actually living the Christian life. We might be saved, we might be going to heaven or something, but we're really not actively engaging. We're not walking in step with yeah, the Spirit. Yeah, exactly. We're not walking like Jesus walked. I mean, Jesus lived this way. He said, I did not come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, and he, and he practiced that all the way through. And he prayed that all the way through and up to the very end. And then he prays into thy hands, I commit my spirit, that, that relinquishing his will. Uh, Dallas Willard, who is, you know, a spiritual writer who I studied with at USC, he, he used to say that, that Jesus said his last words on the cross were into thy hands, I commit my spirit, that that wasn't a hard thing for Jesus to say, because he had been committing his spirit into his father's hands every day of his life. Jesus was waking up in the morning and saying, into thy hands, I commit my life. I commit myself to you. And that's, that's a good way to start these short prayers is just to start every morning as you wake up with, with that prayer in, into, into your hands, Father, I commit my life today. Or, or I've been doing Romans 12, 1, I offer my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, which is my reasonable service. You know, Lord, today I just offer my body as a living sacrifice. And that imagery of literally kind of laying your, your body down on the altar and a living sacrifice, I at least want that. I want to be yours today, Lord. And so that's my intention. So yeah, these short prayers can kind of help us with that. 
I struggle with long prayers because I do get distracted. And, and so when I pray for a long period of time, which can be helpful too, I usually trail off and start thinking about something else, but short prayers, I, I, I can get out. Lord Jesus Christ, <laughs> have mercy on me, a sinner. And they really do reorient you to the kingdom. I think of Paul's language in Colossians 3, to set our minds on things above where Christ is. And so prayer is a way to do that. And so now I, I think I'm more a, a, a proponent of this idea that, that prayer is the center of the Christian life, because it is that responsiveness to God that really is the key to having the kind of life that Christ has made available to us, is that responsiveness uh, to God's spirit and to his work in our lives. Yeah, what I hear you say is, yeah, God is the center of the Christian life, but if you don't respond to his accessibility, then he's not the center of your Christian life. That's right. And it's that responding to his accessibility through being aware, through being in a posture of dependence, I think practicing these little short prayers over and over again from even just a neurobiological standpoint will literally rewire your brain to where your knee-jerk response to difficult situations or to temptation or to your own attempt at at, uh, controlling something in your life is not for you to double down your effort or whatever, but is for you to surrender. Yeah for you to go, the Canaanite woman, help me. That's right. Mm. If you're struggling with temptation, Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. And now it's like, oh, I'm becoming more aware. I'm waking up to the reality of what's going on, both inside and outside of me. And the fact that Jesus is actually present with me, more present than we ever will, I think, fully comprehend. He's with us. And I think that these short prayers can wake us up to the reality that that's actually true. Like he's actually with us and we can, we can be awake to that reality through practices uh, like this. That's good. My new five second prayer, Lord, rewire my brain, please. <laughs> um, so just as we're thinking about wrapping up here, we've spent most of this time talking about a posture of humility and that, that being kind of the center of this idea of prayer. Just humor me for a second. What about those prayers of petition? Are they bad? Can we still do them? Are we allowed to ask for things? Totally. I think petitionary prayer actually becomes transformed in this sort of way because really we begin to ask God for things, not in a demanding way, not expecting that he's going to do what we want. And sometimes we might talk ourselves out of our petitionary prayers. (laughs) (laughs) Lord, I really want, well, uh, actually, never mind. <laughs> and so even, even that becomes a way to receive. Again, if petitionary prayer is actually modeled after Jesus's petition in Gethsemane, which is, this is what I want, let this cup pass from me, but not my will and yours be, yours be done. Then if all of our, if that's really the model of petitionary prayer, then ultimately God always does answer our prayers because our prayer is always at the end but Lord, I, I want whatever you will. And, and I want to become the kind of person who's able to accept whatever you will. And again, I realize in saying that, that's a lot easier to swallow when we're talking about, I really want to buy that car, please, Lord, make it possible, versus I, I really want my loved one to be healed of this terminal you know, illness. So, so these, these things are very challenging to wrestle with. And that's why we need one another and we need the body of Christ. We need equipping ministries like what you guys are doing to, to help to help us kind of understand how this works in all seasons of life. Lots of prayers 
don't get answered the way we want them. And that's very painful. Yeah. And even in the midst of that pain, the reality is, is that Jesus has gone before us, even in that pain. He has gone before our loved ones who don't get healed, right, in death. And he has gone before us ultimately in the resurrection. And that's why for the Christian, even if our prayers go unanswered now, all of them ultimately will be answered, answered in ways that we can only imagine. I mean, I think of Second Corinthians chapter 1, right? All of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. Yeah, so it's, it's like, man, Lord, help us orient us to uh, the kingdom kind of thinking, to walk in and experience the kingdom of God in every facet of, of life, especially in our ongoing conversations with God through prayer. I think part of where my mind was going, you were saying that, Nathan, is just this this eternal perspective. But what I mean by that is that we're, we're looking at such a small slice of our existence. Uh, you know, we are eternal beings that are going to live forever uh, with God in community with him and his people. And so this life is is about the life to come. And, and that's not to in any way minimize the significance of the pain or the significance of our of our choices or, or what, what uh, God is calling us to. Um, it's actually to make it more significant. I mean, this time is a very valuable time of life, but the Christian vision is an eternal vision. And, and so we're being trained now for eternity. And, and so that's, that's where I think, you know, if, if this is just about the 70 or 80 or 90 years that, you know, hopefully we'll get on this earth, then this is kind of a weird way to live. But if we're actually being trained in this period, we're being formed and shaped to live for eternity with God and to actually learn to cooperate with his will for eternity. I mean, then it, then it starts to make sense. It's like, oh, this period of time, is, it's, it is discipleship. It's a time of being students of, of Jesus and his kingdom because we're going to live with him forever and, and we need to know how to do that. And uh, yeah. so prayer is key to that process. Mm-hmm. cooperating with the work the Spirit is already doing to make us into the type of creatures whose natural home is the kingdom of God. That's right. Well, Steve, I'm super grateful for you, man. I wish that our audience could have a fuller and greater appreciation for you know the role you've played in my life. It's a big one. I thank God for you on a consistent basis, even though I don't, I don't tell you enough. So, Appreciate your investment in my life and the way you've, you've taught me and for giving us your time today. I really appreciate it. It's been good to be with you both. Why don't you pray to close our time? <laughs> uh, Lord Jesus, I do thank you for the reality of you. And I thank you, Lord, that you've invited us into this kingdom that, that Nathan was talking about, um, that we were made to live under your reign Uh, to live with you in your kingdom, and that that is an eternal and never-ending project. And and yet, Lord, there is so much in each of our lives that keep us from that perspective. And I know that keep me from that perspective. And I am so caught up in 
in the next thing to do or the next problem to solve or um, whatever it may be. And so, so Lord, help us, uh, even us here with these, these short prayers to find them to be reorienting to your kingdom and to setting our minds on things above where you are, Lord. Seated at the right hand of the Father, which isn't a bad place to, to be. So we, we want to direct our thoughts to you, Lord. So thanks for this time. Pray your blessing on, on Nathan and, and Karen and the ministry of Watermark. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast on prayer. Please make sure you like, subscribe, post, reshare, all the good things. Wait, who are you? My name is Jared Stevens. I'm the new guy. Oh, okay. All right, sweet. Yes, sir. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> I'll personally be sending this to my grandma and her Bible study for all hey. of her ladies to hey. send to. Hey, what's your grandmother's name? Her name is Frankie. Frankie? Frankie Farquhar. Frankie Farquhar. He's Scottish. Hey, Frankie, shout out from the Equipping <laughs> Podcast. I love that. I got you, Mimi. Love it. Sweet. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Check us out. Check us out. Rate us. Email us if you want at equippingpodcast at watermark.org. Bam. Do it. Let's send it. Bye. Bye. Peace. Peace.